Mini episode 1132 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1132. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here. We have an outstanding guest with us here today. And uh, again, on the show where nothing is off topic, rarely do we get a chance with our back-to-back guests here to really sort of show off the scope of things. But uh, we, we happen to get to do that when you look at 1131 and today with 1132. Our last mini-episode, uh, William Cohen, great best-selling author, uh, Four Friends, his most recent book. You should definitely go out and get that. Great book about JFK Jr. and uh, some of the other uh, rich and famous uh, cohorts who unfortunately met an untimely demise. So we go from a best-selling author to a man who has sold out arenas from coast to coast, one half of the world tag team champions in the NWA, when that meant something. And I, I'm really almost dating myself by talking about when that was a money-drawing uh, type of deal. But uh, we've not had this gentleman on the show previously, but uh, many of the guys he used to work with back in the day, from Loverboy Dennis to beautiful Bobby, J.J., Jim Cornette, Lex and Nikita, Tully Blanchard, Jake the Snake Roberts, And we are so, so privileged to be able to add this man to the list and to be able to have a conversation with him today. I speak, of course, of the legendary Ricky Morton, one half of the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky, welcome to the FDH Lounge, sir. A true pleasure to get you in. How are you today, sir? Hey, listen, uh, thank you for having me on your show. And and what I really want to let everybody understand and know that I I am a country boy, so if I some of the things you don't understand when I'm saying that, uh, because I do speak Swahili. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying, but you know, this accent, this accent I got, people go, God, where's he from? No, I usually tell people I'm from New York, but uh, <laughs> I'm down here in the hills of Tennessee, and, and just to tell you the truth, man, if I, if I have a bad day, it's my own fault. And I don't know if it's because I got older and mellowed out, or the medications the doctor put me on. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding there, too. Thank you, man. Well, Thank you for letting me be on your show, okay? Hey, it's a pleasure, Ricky. And, and again, uh, I think a lot of folks out there, uh, like myself, probably go back to about 1985 with you. That was the case for me uh, when you started appearing on the Superstation every Saturday night at 6.05. And uh, coming on there, your, your big national exposure at that point in time after a successful run in Mid-South, coming over to work in uh, World Championship Wrestling, and uh, again, getting to reprise that uh, excellent, excellent feud that you guys had with the Midnight Express. Uh, They're the team, of course, that everyone most thinks of when they think about you guys, such that it was natural for uh, Jim Cornette to induct you guys into the WWE Hall of Fame two years ago, and Again, just uh, people talk about this all the time with, with wrestling of, of the chemistry and, and, and of your opponents and who you can work with, and, and, and not everybody has it. You don't have it with every team they're in there with, but when people talk about chemistry in pro wrestling, it, Midnight's and Rock and Rolls is, is probably just about at the top of anybody's list. Man, uh, well, 
We're talking about the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and seriously, and, uh, this is one of the greatest, I think, feuds ever in professional wrestling. And it, was at, and it was at the time, too, when, you see, since 1985, I have watched this business change 12 different times. But at that moment, it was at the business when it was really changing. Uh, you were going from all the territories to, to the bigger territories. And, and, and understand me, like you just said, we left Bill Watts, but then there was Crockett. It, uh, you know, Vince McMahon was building his dynasty. And, and then it was at the time. And, and another thing, too, is our business was so sacred. Uh, not everybody knew, you know, and, and what I liked about it too, even, even at our shows, we didn't even know the, the finishes to our matches until you got into the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, I mean, man, it was, uh, it was a whole different time. And, and I always, I always call it back when Russell was real. And it's, uh, and it was a part that our business was just so sacred. And, and everybody that walked up to you and shook your hand, they wasn't a professional wrestler, uh, or think they are. Uh, and, and, and I love that part, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, Jimmy Cornette, you know, the best. I mean, he's the only guy in the world that, that nobody could ever beat him in a verbal fight. You know, <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable, buddy. He really is. You know, and you, you talk about the business, and again, I, I want to get thoughts on your career. I, I, we're going to talk about your school also as well and the things that you have going on. But what I also want to do is pick your brain about the business of pro wrestling. And since you mention it and since you talk about it as far as the landscape of the 1980s and uh, the way that it was sort of already consolidating by the time you got to TBS in 85 and eventually it was moving towards the NWA versus uh, the WWF and uh, the other promotions were kind of fading away, I almost get a sense now with the launch of AEW coming up that to me, it almost feels like it's the '80s in reverse right now. That that we're we're getting sort of a broadening of the landscape because you know Vince, by and large, was the only game in town for a long, long time. You you did FTNA, you had some other things around the margins, but the last couple of years, whether it be streaming, the way that the independents have really taken off, and now AEW is in the mix. New Japan is making more of a foothold in this country. Do you get the sense that we're looking at a, at a broadening of the landscape and a sort of reverse of that consolidation? Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of do. And a while ago you made a comment, and I, I want to say this. Mm-hmm. Really understand me. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck sure. or anything, but you said something about picking my brain. Uh-huh. You know, listen to me. This is the way I look at that. Okay. It's not the part about me picking my brain. It's the part about me getting into your brain and making you understand yes. what I'm what I'm saying. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm being really truthful there. Mm-hmm. You know, I meet a lot of people that want to know something about our business, but before you, I can explain my business to you, mm-hmm. you have to understand it. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I really got that. Yeah, you had an independence there. And see, a lot of guys don't even understand this. You know, Robert and I, yes, we worked on top for Jimmy Crockett. We worked on top for Bill Watts. But remember, we made them rich. Yes. They didn't make us rich. Yes. Uh, I paid the road, roads for a lot of, for our business, and I think I did, for these guys to make millions of dollars. And he was saying how the independents had come up and grow. And I'm telling you guys, I am 63 years old, and I make more money now on the independent circuit than I ever made on top of in any territory I ever been in. Wow. And, and that's still not... That's still not making a lot. You hear what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, my, my biggest year in the business is $125,000. But oh. you've but you got to understand, and I'm not blaming nobody, and 
this is why the really, you know, my son wants to be a wrestler, but you, but you have to get your education first. Mm -hmm. uh, my youngest son does. I mean, because that was my fault. I wasn't aided, uh, educated enough to know that they were really putting it to me, boy, and uh, and to understand. And plus, just being a young cocky kid, didn't want to do that. But man, this is the greatest business in the world. I think AEW. Let me say, tell you, brother, this is the best thing in the world that's for our business because the bits don't have monopoly on everything. You know, you, if you listen, I, and I go to these places, and every time I see this, all the boys, it's like they're walking on crackers. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Yeah. Uh, they're worried about this or what, who says or who says. Dude, this is about a business, and it takes everybody to be a to be a part of it. Uh, and, and it's great. You know, I, I love what these guys are doing. You see, because you know why? Because in my whole life in this business, I always stood up for the boys. Mm -hmm. uh, that was my one of my downfalls in the business. Yes, they came first. Uh, I wasn't an office type guy. Well, here I am, 63 years old, and I damn sure ain't going to change now. I am for the boys. And what they're doing is great. It gives a lot more of the people in our business that has busted their behinds and didn't get nothing because somebody didn't like what they liked. we got a lot of opportunities now for a lot more people, and that includes TNA, too. Uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, you just mentioned about New Japan doing their tours. Uh, Robert and I are going to be in Boston, New York City, and uh, Philadelphia for Ring of Honor. I mean, not Ring of Honor, for New Japan. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything about that not yet, but we're going to be on their shows. Uh, Robert uh, and I next weekend. This weekend we're going to be up in Virginia. Uh, right outside, we're going to be at Dinwiddie in Colonial Heights. But the following weekend we're in center stage in Atlanta, Georgia for Ring of Honor. That's Sunday, Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown. So, see, now but you understand it that I'm still out there on the road, and I'm not out here. I'm not out on the road to impress anybody. I'm not on the, on the road trying to make, uh, trying to get hired by WWE or AEW. I'm not trying to do that. This is what I do for a living. I keep myself in shape. I'm 63 years old. I, I, in my, I think I'm still in my prime. I just look yeah. older, but I go out and I work hard, and I... And I do, I think, it's not because I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. I still have bills to pay. This is what I've always done in my life, and I know nothing else. Uh, I know a lot about this business, and, you, and this is what it's all about, buddy. And I'm glad I got to be able to say that Yeah. <laughs> off the, the thing you said earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, that's really good insight, Ricky. And I, I will say, too, one of the things that I think people respect about you and the career that you've had is that, uh, and again, and I've, I've uh, read and seen some things here as far as your uh, teaching philosophy at your school. I saw the video that you did when you were working at the WWE Performance Center coaching the kids, and that you're, you're very strong on coaching the fundamentals and being about the fundamentals, but you know, you, you were joking about it before, about you know, being at your best at your age. You have the athleticism, as the world knows by now, to still do a Canadian Destroyer in the year 2019. I understand, I believe that was WrestleMania week when you broke that out, so it's remarkable that again that you can you can do that you got the athleticism you always had the athleticism back in the day but grounded in the fundamentals and fundamentals that's what you got to teach these kids because uh you know and this it's been the way for at least 30 or 40 years you watch it on tv you think it's all about the spectacular moves but it don't mean anything unless you can string a match together well you see you 
got that exactly right. Uh, you know, we, we was mentioning the other, and, I, and I'm going ahead and plug it now. You go on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, School of Morton. Now, I have live YouTube shows that come on uh, on my School of Morton. From my school, uh, it's not about me. You never, you hardly ever see me on the show. If it is, it's at the opening, or it's just a little video they're showing, because I teach guys now. One of the, one of the great ones uh, uh, for the New Japan is Chase Owens in the Bullet Club. He's one of my boys that come from my school. Do you have a new upcomer, man? His name's Luscious Lawrence. He's, he's going to be at the Ring of Honor shows that I'm on. Uh, it's, it's what I, te- I don't teach them. You know, it's great. But the art of our business is lost for now. It's not being able. See, I was a baby face that sewed. And when I sewed and they got the heat on me, I told a story to give Robert the hot tag and to go into the finish. And that's one thing that I really learned from Dusty Rhodes. Uh, you know, well, being there, I studied Dusty. I, you know, before we did angles, I'd sit down. And, and this is the reason a lot of uh, bookers used their self in, in their angles. It's because they knew what they wanted in their head, mm-hmm. but they really couldn't get the guys in the business to understand what they're doing, and, and Dusty, and I got to say that he liked that. He, I understood what we were trying to do because, dude, I, I love this wrestling business, and I still love it. Uh, it's, it's about that art of telling the story, having reached the college. It, it, see, it's a lost art. I, I'll go, you know, I watch these a lot of guys now, man, and every one thing. Well, I just go ahead and say it. one hot spot just goes to another hot spot. Mm-hmm. It don't mean nothing. You know, a lot of times you can watch TV and you know one one of the wrestlers is going to do a big move because there's 20 people on the floor to catch it. Uh, and I'm not trying to be mean. It's great. But when they learn, learn how to tell that story and then put that big flying thing in, in there where it means something, that's really where they're really going to blow the roof off the buildings. That's where they're really going to get their ratings. You know, it's like any business. You know, I, I live here in Bristol, Tennessee. They have the NASCAR race. Uh, here in town this weekend, and, and I was a big NASCAR fan, but now it's got to the same point, and, I, and I'm telling you, I don't know who's who in wrestling business. Everybody's got the same beard, everybody's got the same haircut, everybody wears the same things, they're just different color. Uh, I'm looking for that great character, that one great character. That's the reason Undertaker's so over. He's that great character that's different from everybody else. And plus, he can still work. Uh, See, I like that. That's what I look at people. It's, uh, you know, uh, the people that are creative and, and writing, you know, you've got to learn. A, a, it's a lot more to it than just going out and doing hot spots. you got to make, you, you know, you remember we'd be on TVS and that, that kind of one of our matches, the TV would go off and we're still at our match. Yep. And the people wouldn't know what happened that match to the next Saturday night. Yeah. At the end of nothing. So they don't do that no more. They try to squeeze they try to squeeze a 20-minute wrestling match into five minutes, and you can't do that. You know, you've got to have, you've got to know who your top boys are, and it takes the underneath boys to put those top boys, and then, you know, vice versa. Every which way it goes, any way you get to go, everything's got to mean something, and if it don't, you know, it's not, and I'm starting to see that a lot. You know, I watched a new show the other day, you know, uh, they got kind of off into all the high spots, but then they settled it back and went back to the wrestling point. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the part I love about it. You know, a headlock routine in our rest of the match is really cool. You know, yeah, I, I, it's a lost form art. I see a lot of guys get lost in the match. And I always remember this. The guys out here listening to girl wrestling, whenever you get lost in the match, a headlock would cure everything. Just grab a headlock start back over. It's all up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. you got to know how to uh, pace things and go through. And you, you anticipated perfectly, Ricky, because one of the things I wanted to bring up was about uh, selling because, again, this is not just uh, kissing your uh, rear to say this, but, again, you talk to any serious wrestling fans out there, there's two names that always come to mind whenever people are talking about that, the art of selling. It's you and it's Ricky Steamboat. Those are the two that you always hear people talking about. And, uh, ultimately, uh, there's another guy these days that you're hearing among the young guys that a lot of people have had a lot of buzz about, and that would be uh, somebody from my hometown of Cleveland, Johnny Gargano, who has been pretty much at the forefront of the main event scene in NXT the last two years. And as, as far as being a guy that a lot of people say is sort of following in the footsteps of you and Steamboat in that regard, I'm just curious if you've gotten a chance to really kind of check out any of his matches, any of the stuff that he does, and if you have any thoughts on how he's trying to carry the torch today. Uh, listen to me, fella, in this business here. I know who everybody is. Sure. They might not know me. I watch everything. Okay. I know who's coming up, and I know I know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes in the business you get to tell my John, Johnny's really great. You hear me? Really great. He's mm-hmm. learning. But see, you, it's, you have to be where you're doing this every day. You know, the, he, the future lies in front of him. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. In our business, you, you have to be at the right place at the right time, and whatever they throw at you, you got to be ready to do it. Uh, he's there. He's already there. Uh, but, you know, when you wrestle for that, you know, you, in my day, what was so different because I wrestled every night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and even at 63 right now, I still learn every day. I still wrestle four or five nights a week. Yeah. I have to. It's what I do for a living. But, like, yeah, like him, uh, he's going to get his work to come. He's just, just got to, even though he does have a break, but listen to me, is a difference between making millions and, and making hundreds of thousands. You sure. understand me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole lot of difference, and, and you know, and it's according on. It's like I told Chase Owens one time, but you, you know, you gotta, you have to live your dream every day. You, you can't stop. You can't let up for one second. That's uh, right. I try to explain to the guys at my wrestling school, dude. Uh, also, theory just signed with NXT. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at this kid. This kid. I mean, uh, he. Tr- I mean, twenty-four seven, eat, sleep, drink, wrestling. Working out in the gym, you got to look the part, buddy. And all that's going to come together for all of them. And uh, that's what I think about the business. If, if you want our business, you have to go get it. And uh, if you want it that bad, I promise you, it'll come to you at the right place and the right time. Absolutely. And uh, it's a business that's, of course, ever-changing over a period of time. Although, as we've said, obviously, the fundamentals remain the same. Uh, again, you have been, uh, you know, in, in the current identity, uh, going all the way back to the 80s, with the exception of that brief time in early the 90s in WCW with uh, the York Foundation, and it was really kind of interesting. You had that feud with the New Breed a couple of years ago when they were doing the futuristic gimmick, but ultimately your thing was really kind of futuristic because today analytics are everywhere, and uh, that, that sort of foretold the uh, revolution in analytics and sports with Alexandra York and the laptop and everything. So I'm just curious as you were going along, because once you got back into the Rock and Roll Express identity, you have basically stayed with that. Over the years, did you ever contemplate 
trying to uh, move in another direction like uh, was done with the York Foundation, or uh, what was kind of the thought process there uh, on staying with well, the uh, Rock and Roll Express? Uh, you, know, you know, that's when, uh, uh, they, you know, that's when Dusty came in mm-hmm. to book WCW, and I understand that Robert got hurt. Robert was out yes. for a year and a half. Okay, I'm lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hundred guys that are trying to get into the office, trying to... Uh, and, and we'll talk about this just in a second. But mm-hmm. I was lost with nowhere to go. Uh, thank God Dusty made up the port down, you know, the York Foundation and put me into it. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, as soon as Robert got better, I wrestled Robert uh, in Washington on pay-per-view. And when that match was over, made him left and went to Smoky Mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, it was all over with. I... Uh, uh, no, in, in our business, Robert and I are the longest tag team wrestlers ever in the history of professional wrestling. Yep. And uh, we're still, uh, somebody asked me, I was on a show the night by myself, it was Robert. I said, I'm with, I'm with him more than I am my wife, I don't even <laughs> like her. But that's a joke, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, Robert and I in this business, uh, buddy, we've been through it all. Uh, but one thing, when it boils down to the end, now understand we're, we're wrestling partners. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We have each other, you see, and uh, and, uh, it, and we still, you know, we still, even though we're older, I still perform. If I, when I can't give you your money's worth, that's when I stop. And uh, and I and I like when the people when we come out because you know, buddy, we, we we do. I mean, me and Robert are still there, but I never, you know, I had a great run with Ric Flair. Yeah, uh, it meant a lot uh, at that time and era. It was something that just. And, and gosh, boy, and it kept our territory going. I had a lot of people depended on me to feed their families. We didn't have contracts. Uh, and it's the greatest moment of my life. But what it boils down to is just like it is right now. Uh, I'm one half of the Rock and Roll Express. And when I quit this business, I will still be one half of the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, you will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, I uh, I want to ask you about uh, your wrestling school and and uh, get into some th- some thoughts on that. Before I do, this is this is a point of uh, personal privilege I take with with a lot of you guys who worked in uh, Crockett back in the day to sort of get your opinion on something because just to kind of back up to the uh, the mid to late '80s here uh, as a kid watching in uh, Parma, Ohio uh, back in the day, really at our high school. Uh, we were more watching you guys than the WWF uh, product. I mean, we, we watched, uh, those of us that were fans watched everything, but for us it was more so, by and large, about 6.05 Saturday nights on the Superstation. And, again, the guy who back in the day was just about my favorite out of the bunch, I, as much as I liked all of you guys, I, I was a big, big, big mark for Ronnie Garvin. So that's a thing where people kind of tend to look back and snicker on him having been world champion in 87 and I always really kind of say you know what you had to be there you had to you had to be a fan at the time you had to be watching because I was I was totally into it when that guy got the title and it was just the brief reign and whatever but I just want to give you a chance get your thoughts on Ronnie Garvin and and his worth as a pro wrestler and how you looked at him and and, and saw him and uh, you know as far as him being a world champion man uh... You know, Ronnie speaks for himself. Not only was Ronnie a great worker, he was a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you put all you got to into the business? Now, you say you were from Cleveland? Absolutely, yeah. The suburbs of Cleveland. Man, do you remember the old building we used to wrestle at, the big auditorium downtown? Public Hall. Yeah, I was there, Ricky. Yeah. Yes, I mean, we didn't, and, and that was, you know, one day it was a, 
one of the greatest hill towns, uh-huh. too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. Ronnie Garvin, you know, he deserved it. You know, it's, you know, that's the thing with Dusty. Dusty, you know, he did a lot for Dusty over the years. Uh, when opportunity came, you know, Ronnie Garber was one of those guys. Remember when he was Miss Atlanta Live? Yep. Uh, gosh, I mean, he did the he did the role perfect. He did the thing perfect. Uh, you know, he had the opportunity to be the world champion, and and, and he'd go down in history as one of the world champions. I, I love Ronnie Garber. I, I still see Ronnie every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he'll be at one of the signings. Or, or something. Ronnie deserved everything he got. And I, I was a, Ronnie is my friend. Sure. Me, Ronnie, I used to fly with him a lot in the airplanes, but that's another story. You know, evil can evil, brother. I'm not kidding. But, uh, and to go, but I was going to tell you, and I'm going to get into this. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm changing the whole situation. Go ahead. People ask me about, you know, in our day, everybody was a great worker. Yep. Everybody was exceptional, you know, and, and, and I'm saying this to let you know how great of a world champion that Ric Flair was. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand this. I, I was wrestling a guy not long ago. He goes, when I go to the ring, the people will liable to cheer me. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, I said, buddy, the people's only going to cheer you if you want them to. Right. Because I'd never forget Cleveland, Ohio. Hill town, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rick Flair, the world champion. Here I am, the teeny bopper with the hair. I go to the ring. You know how the, the Hill fans, boy, they're just, they're raping you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got it. They're saying stuff, and it was Flair. But 10 minutes into my match, uh, Flair had turned to people so much. They, are, they pushed the barricades all the way to the ring. Mm-hmm. Arn Anderson came down. Robert Gibson had to come down. Now, and Flair and I were going to go a 60-minute match that night. And about 30 minutes into the match, because Flair, I mean, he never went less than 50 minutes in a match anyway because he gave you your money's worth. He was the world champion. You paid to see him. You got your, you got what you paid for. Yep. But Flair, I had Flair tell me, to said, do this right here, and then you get mad and throw me over the top rope because back then it was just qualifications. It's, if you don't, they're gonna, these people are going to kill me. Uh, and it was. I mean, see, that, you, know, you understand, that's what takes a great worker. How he turned to people. Not only did he do that in Cleveland, but he did it in Philadelphia. Uh, that's how a great of a worker he was. I know I focused off of Roddy Garvin, but see, Roddy was the same way. Yeah. Uh, him and Jimmy... You know, these guys are great workers, and everybody in our time back then, like I said, our business was sacred. If you didn't know what you were doing, if you didn't know anything about our business, you weren't in our business. It was a sacred business, and I loved it. Let's plug your school, rickymortononline.com. Uh, of course, uh, at Real Ricky Morton. So that's where you can get information on this, all of these insights that yeah, you've been I'm talking on about. Instagram. Yep. The Baby Face Ricky Morton. Okay. Oh, okay. And then I have Facebook, Ricky Morton. Wonderful. Guys, I, you know, to me, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I love to talk wrestling. I love to do your show again. I'm thank sorry you. I have to cut you off. Thank you. Uh, thank you uh, so much for your time, Ricky. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you buddy, being on. Thank you. We'll do it again. Thank, thank you, you so much, you sir. have my phone number. Yes, sir. Just get in touch with me, and I would really love to come back on your show again. Yes. Uh, to announce, and all you guys out there, man, keep rocking. If there's an independent show, any kind of wrestling show, 
go see it because without your fans, without everybody out there, our business wouldn't exist. We couldn't be there unless you come. Thank you. Have Thank a good you, night. Ricky. God bless you all. Thank you. God Thank bless you. Ricky. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all clear channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IAMBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio. Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse, and The Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements.